Welcome back to the basement, everyone. You are now tuned into Chunky Glasses, the podcast. I'm your host, Kevin, as usual. Um, got a really good podcast for you this week. Talking about a really good album. I know I just spoiled shit uh, for you, and now you're like, well, fine, why, why do I have to listen to this podcast? I mean, because maybe sometimes we're interesting. Not all the time, but sometimes we we, we are sort of interesting. Uh, talking about one Lucy Dacus' uh, debut album, No Burden. Um, we uh, Full disclosure, Lucy was down here with her band uh, last night. I'm tasting this on Sunday. Uh, right before she went to play an incredible set at the Bathtub Republic uh, up here in D.C. She's the start of her tour. Uh, getting out on the road promoting this new record um you know if you if you haven't heard this there's been a a roar of hype you know up on the rolling stone all all the major sites if you haven't heard of her please go open up your spotify open up your apple music whatever you, you use to to listen to stuff uh these days listen to that record Come back and and maybe listen to us. What's important is that you listen to that record because it's badass. Again, it's not spoilers. You can look to the right of our our post here and see like all of us bought it. Uh, we bought the shit out of it because it's awesome. Uh, so we're going to be talking about that uh, this week and in about a month, I think a month or so, we're going to have uh, that interview that I taped with them. Well, insight after you've had time to sit with the album. Uh, also, this week we're going to be talking about. Uh, title, which is fun because I think this was Edwarda's first full-on title talk, and uh, you know, there's always artists first, yada yada yada. Now they're up for sale at Samsung, uh, so we're gonna see how that pans out. Also, we're gonna keep it keep it in the RVA, the Richmond, Virginia uh, RVA all day, if you will, uh, with a track from a new BS Brass Band. You, you know, you've seen them on the Tiny Desk concerts, maybe, uh, but if you haven't heard. A, of them or even about them uh, we've got some info and we've got a track for you Brass Knuckles off the title track off their LP uh, so that is your podcast so uh, I guess we'll just get started I'm going to reach over here and play in the thing and we're going to go on so here you go this is episode number 161 of Chunky Glasses the podcast we're talking about the new album from Lucy Dacus No Burden okay. it happens here and it finishes here two men enter one man was merely a two-word review. He just said, shit sandwich. I will roll the record up and go That right there is a wonderful sound. We could have tried to get a hold of Sweet Seymour's badass song, <laughs> but but can't you just sweet, buy that for my sweet, like, sweet back? Yeah, sweet sorry. sweet back. Sorry, yeah. uh, sweet. Who the fuck is Sweet, sweet Seymour? <laughs> this is actually <laughs> this is the the the, the black like exploitation little shop of horrors. Sh- awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the Woody Allen black exploitation. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Damn, I'm on drugs. Come on. Uh, so you guys ready? Yep. Yeah. Uh, Paul, you made it back down. I did. It's because we're taping on a Sunday. So it's <laughs> yeah. like nine. Eduardo, you you uh, longest streak off a podcast, I think. One, 
yeah. One. I'm back. I'm back. Yeah. I, could, I just couldn't couldn't sit. You know, couldn't watch these kids mess mess my game up. So. <laughs> That's okay. Me and Patrick held it down. It was <laughs> it was it was a good time. Um, got a pretty few groovy things to talk about this week. First up in the news, though, uh, is this your first title talk, Eduardo? We've touched on title. Sh- oh, you know what? We made fun of title with the Rihanna release. Okay. Okay. So this so, is full yeah. on title talk. Talking title. Um, it was in the news earlier this week that apparently title is now uh, sort of on the table for uh, Samsung, Google, and Spotify. Samsung being the ones who are like, moving forward with it and being really aggressive. Uh, it is, he bought it, uh, when it was a spiral AB for $56 million. Uh, as you know, the launch has been extremely problem, <laughs> not just a launch, but just day to day has been extremely problematic. Unofficial evaluation of it has been, uh, uh, set at a hundred million dollars. Uh, they currently, they have over 1 million subscribers, which you may be saying to yourself, whoa, but uh, Spotify is 30 million and Apple has 11. How many of those subscribers do you think are just Jay-Z under different aliases? <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like buying followers on Twitter. Like <laughs> well, uh, so, oh, I've mentioned this before uh, to shame him. Chenault is actually a subscriber. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, I guess if you don't want to buy every Prince album. Then. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, that, that was the thing. Their strategy, you know, we saw Rihanna windowed, I guess the, uh, 1975 album that just came out. It's on Apple Music, strangely, but it's not on Spotify until the 11th. So that got okay. windowed for Tidal and uh, and Apple Music. Uh, you know, this windowing strategy, and now uh, most uh, infamously, Life of Pablo, right. which, to track how this went, <laughs> uh, it was available to buy, but only from Tidal, which is cool. I mean, if you're, you set up your own web store, fine. Uh, people bought it. And they essentially pre-ordered, even though it was like the day of, I think, and said, well, when it's out, you'll get your download link. Then they didn't get the download link, but they charged their card. They charged some people's cards more than once. Two or three times. Yeah. And then and then uh, they said, hey, you know what? Uh, it's not going to be for sale and haven't like really refunded people's money. Uh, so and, and Kanye famously went on the rant that said, you know, you can only get it on title. It's only ever going to be on title, uh, which is, you know, for the artists, except now, probably not. I, I guess, you know, you'd have to be blind not to understand that this was going to happen. Like that he, he bought it to sell it, period. Mm-hmm. But not like how many people bought in. Well, yeah, maybe. Do you think people really ever bought into the, you know, this is this is by artists for artists bullshit? Because it's clearly the fact that it is up for sale, period, means that's not true. Right. Um, I don't think anyone in this room ever bought, no. it, ever bought no. into that. I mean, we've talked about this so many times mm-hmm. that it's like they they you can't buy into it when the only artists that you've got up on the stage are people who aren't hurting for money. Like mm-hmm. By artists for artists, by Jay Z, you know, for Jay Z, by Rihanna for Rihanna. Like nobody's nobody's getting behind an artist driven uh, product like that. You bring up people who are like, no, I'm actually having a hard time making. Like you like my art, yeah, and yeah, I'm having yeah. a hard time making money. Not the multimillionaires in your industry. But I mean, you could frame it as you know, which a lot of people do because of pop culture. You know, these are like sort of superheroes. That was you know, the musical Avengers, if you will. And, you know, framing is like, these are uh, patrons of the arts, benefactors. Like if you want to, I think that's what they wanted to, to frame it as. 
Uh, so, like, how cynical does everybody have to be now? Because, like, obviously, I mean, look, common sense tells you that's bullshit. Uh, maybe Arcade Fire thought they were getting into it for the right, right reason. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, like, but you said you'd save Haiti. I, I don't know. <laughs> did, uh, did, so, so they never got Drag City, right? They're still one of those. I don't think so. I, Drag City isn't on anyone. Yeah. What about Nunsuch? Because I don't think Nunsuch is really on Spotify, but they might. Are they not? I don't. I feel like there's less none such than I want on Spotify. We can verify that later. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Actually, actually, no. You know what? I'm wrong because, like, I know the Rhiannon Giddens album was on Spotify. Okay. So, uh, but if they didn't, you know, I guess the first question is like, has titles has title made any artist's life better? Like, was anyone helped by title who was being harmed? By streaming before, it's, and about, it's, it's about to make a bunch of their equity partners' lives <laughs> right. better. Yeah, so. right. Yeah, is this is this because of Kanye's fifty three million dollars in debt? <laughs> <laughs> he said, "Yo, Jay, 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 we gotta sell." <laughs> yeah. Um, is anyone so? I don't understand what would be in it. You know, Google. Um, I don't use Google Music, but right. I, I have before. It's a it's a totally fine. You know. Um, really good streaming service. I don't understand what would be in it. Like I, 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 let me rephrase that. I understand completely why both Google and Spotify just passed on title and had Mm -hmm. no interest in it. Um, well, I think they have interest in it, but they're maybe not at that price. They're not necessarily at that price, but they're also, they don't need it. Right. So the the quote in the article that we're going to have a link to is, uh, basically says that Samsung has big plans in the pipeline. I, don't know, I think I think it makes a ton of sense for Samsung. Yeah, actually. oh yeah, it does. Yeah. It does. That's that. That's exactly right. I mean, I don't. I'm still stuck on the like. I don't know. I I like their TVs. <laughs> I don't really know. Yeah. Like, so we're what talking else. about bundling it into yeah. technology. Yeah, Samsung. Like they're the. I think they're still the second biggest handset manufacturer mm-hmm. um, after Apple, and they really want to be the Apple of the you know of the Chrome world mm-hmm. and so they've been trying to compete on the same basis it's tougher when you're using somebody else's os and you're not able to vertically integrate things the way that apple is but they're trying to build these verticals and that's why they did what they did with the rihanna release that's why they did what they did with the with jay-z's last release yeah. and i think that my guess is that they would see title as their answer to apple music like everything is going to be ingrained in the Samsung devices and you're going to have access as part of the purchase of Samsung devices and you're going to have special opportunities. So is it going to be like the, the T-Mobile thing where it doesn't count against your data if you get a Samsung Well, that, that's different because that's yeah. that's the service plan and not the handset. Right. So this is going to be more of, I would think, an integrated app offering with the handset. So, I mean, if that's the case, why do, why do companies, do you think, in 2016 still think that works? Well, I think I think it actually potentially could work, and I, this is without any any, any knowledge of what mm-hmm. they're actually planning to do. But I could see it being a potential a potential benefit because Samsung. It's been a couple of years since I owned a Samsung device, but I think they still put a pretty heavy layer of skin over the top yeah. of. Uh, yeah. Uh, over the top of the Android operating system there. A lot of proprietary Samsung apps, a lot of partner apps, things like that. If you integrate that in and just make it so much easier to use Tidal than to use Spotify It has on to the be system. free, though. Right. That's, that's the thing. I mean, an app on a phone is, no matter what, if no, it's built I, in or not. Okay, like I guess have, that, that's what I think is, 
you, when you said when you were saying it would be like the T-Mobile thing, I was thinking yeah, about yeah. data charges. Well, I, I was too. Yeah, I think but. I think access to title. It's very likely well, that if you buy a Samsung device, it's pa- that title access yeah. is packaged into that device. It, yeah, and I'm I'm still mad because Apple did. I mean, it, it is effective. Apple tricked me into subscribing to Apple Music, which I still do because honestly, it's that goddamn Siri integration. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, which doesn't work on the Apple TV. Which is really fucked up on oh, the new one, right? That, that's yeah, a whole yeah. other story. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you're, you're talking about these devices where people are largely listening to streaming music on your hands, mm-hmm. headset, or or I've got an iPad in my hand, you know, something like that. Uh, if it's just a button that you push on there, then it's going to be really hard, I think, to get people shift to that as opposed to. You know, one million versus thirty million subscribers. It's, Whether or not you like Spotify or not, they have the market share. They have the uh, visibility. You know, they are. It's Spotify is becoming like Kleenex. Mm-hmm. You know, but but I, I guess what I would say, and I, I think you're right about that. I think it's a lot to overcome. But if you have everything so seamlessly integrated right mm-hmm. there, and you're able to pitch it as, look, with this title acquisition and with our previous. Uh, you know, integration with other artists, we've got, then we, we can tell you, you're going to, by buying this Samsung handset, you're going to have first access, free access to anything Jay-Z puts out, uh-huh. anything Kanye puts out, anything Rihanna <laughs> Yay, puts <out>. fragmentation! <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's not, I don't think it's great for the overall marketplace, but it's definitely a selling point, especially when you're out in the, in the Chrome market, there's very little differentiating a lot of these phones. You're, mm-hmm. you're working around the edges, but the, the year-to-year uh, differences between the flagship uh, Nexus, HTC, LG, Samsung, Moto handsets are personal preferences usually. Yeah. And this is the kind of thing that could move some more units. Well, and I, I think it's weird. I think what service you use is becomes personal preference. You know, we were all on audio for a long time yeah. while Spotify is building because we – personally preferred it now i mean the reality is and i apologize to your friend who doesn't hear us talk <laughs> Matt, about this anymore Matt Suter. yeah <laughs> um it, is that it simply was it was the better interface it was the better back end it was the better algorithm everything about it was better than any product that's on the market right now uh and i can say that because i now use every product on the market uh including title uh and you know but they're counting on like you said exclusives you know, but again, I, I mean, I don't know that that's what they're counting on. It just seems like but they probably a business are. strategy that would make sense. Right. If they uh, but that, that. that's title's plan. So then it goes to figure that anybody who buys them is going to be like, yes, this is a good plan. That doesn't like it doesn't work. It drives. I mean, it proved it like Kanye West. It, it drives piracy. Rihanna. Yeah. Like is the second most pirated album this year so far. Because right, right. <laughs> it was an exclusive on title and nobody like literally nobody is going to switch a service for one album. Well, let me let me ask you something. We say, oh, it, dri- it drives pir- piracy. But Samsung's done this a few times now. And mm-hmm. if they're planning to do it again, then it means that they're, they must be reaping a benefit from it. The artists aren't complaining about it because the piracy doesn't really affect their bottom line that much if, as part of their contract, they've got a pre-sale of a million well, that, albums. That is true. That, like, that then, yeah. That, that's, I mean, that's what it is. Like, when, when Rihanna, you had to, to get through the code, I think you had to go through, like, eight digital rooms and click right. on a bunch of stuff. But that was a guaranteed million album pre-sale yeah. through the Samsung deal right there. 
So she made out like a bandit. Her label made out well. Samsung is apparently seeing, you know, positive effects from this if it's something that they want to keep doing. So all of the corporate and the corporate interests made, you know, made money off of it, apparently. And everybody else is just pirating it if they. I mean, it's entirely possible that I am completely wrong about the consumer base. It's likely, actually, which makes me sad. I mean, I think I think um, to Paul's point earlier, for Samsung to position itself as like a meaningful alternative to Apple, like it needs this artistic credibility. And so that's that's what they're willing to pay a premium for. Um, But uh, I guess what I'm uh, what I'm wondering a little bit is uh, now that you have these like product lines kind of being sorted into like different coalitions. So if you're like, if you have an iPhone, mm-hmm. chances are you're Apple Music or Spotify. And if you have a Samsung, then your title, is it going to become like a new hipster thing to like do cross platform things that don't make sense? Like be a droid person, but use beats or, or whatever, <laughs> beats music or like, is that the new, you know, like, yeah, sure. Like I like Android phones, but I prefer Apple Music. So right. <laughs> I subscribe to Apple Music on my Android. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it, it could be. They, they I prefer my <laughs> software not to work with my hardware. <laughs> right. <laughs> Cassette tapes what? <laughs> I prefer there to be no hardware, period, that can run this. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, um, I, again, I, I am baffled by any of these struggles going on and these buy-ups of things. Like, Pandora bought audio, now Pandora might get bought. Like, there is unfortunately only room in the marketplace for one or two. Uh, I I I truly believe that. Um, And you need those. And then it could turn into like a big cable like thing. Right. I don't know. Right. But in the end, like more stuff like this. So all these subscribers now, like say Chanel, for example, he's going to be displaced again. He was right. displaced from audio. He's displaced from that. And his response, I said, what happens now? He's like, fuck streaming. Huh, really? Yeah, he's like, vinyl all the way. That's it. That's all I'm listening to. Well, I mean, that's not going to happen to very many people because most people are not going to buy all the music that they want on vinyl and then sit at their house and listen to it on No, but headphones. a lot of people do have large digital yeah. libraries. And I do contend that it this will increase piracy. I mean, piracy, we've seen it go down. It's been on the decline. But when you have these big releases and stuff, it goes up again. And sure. and people people want control of their stuff. They want, We've talked about this a lot. Ownership, whether it's, not, mm-hmm. it's a file or, or, or whatever. Part of the attractive thing about streaming and, and relating to a brand is that even though you don't have it, you feel ownership. I feel ownership of my audio collection. I don't feel that of my Apple Music or my Spotify because right. it's a. I can't like engage in the interface. I need it to be, uh, you know, like a uh, a BB-8, you know, sitting there. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, look, I I agree with you from a consumer facing perspective all the way. Like, I mm-hmm. lament the end of RDO, and I don't want to see fragmentation here. But from the business side, and they're the ones making the actual decisions, it's a math equation. Reducing piracy in and of itself is not a goal. Making the most money is the goal. And if you're saying, mm-hmm. we'll see X increase in piracy, but we're making Y additional money using this strategy right here, they don't care if piracy increases as long as the net gain outpaces that. You could double piracy. But if the yeah. people who are paying are paying more, yeah. or if there are if there's corporate synergies that are actually creating more money than there was in the pot to begin with, that's a win. Yeah, 
Take that, David Lowry. <laughs> uh, no, so uh, you know that's like I said. Read the, read the article. Um, pray for <laughs> for Mojo, huh? Pray for Mojo. Is that going to be the next service? I think somebody absorbed a service called Mojo. Uh, oh yeah, they did. Pray, right. pray for unification or one streaming god. Uh, but uh, yeah, so uh, let's talk about some rock and roll. Right, uh, the name of that song is I Don't Want to Be Funny Anymore. That is off of uh, one of Lucy Dacus' uh, debut album, uh, No Burden. I hope I pronounced that right. I've got lots of text out to figure out. Uh, <laughs> I should because she was actually down here uh, just yesterday. I actually just saw her play at Bathtub Republic here in D.C., uh, and that conversation is going to be up in, in about a month or so. Uh, she's going to be back in the area. Today we're talking about her album, though. Uh, this is, a uh, like I said, a 20-year-old from Richmond, Virginia. Uh, she was going to VCU for a while, dropped out to do music, has been slowly uh, getting a little bit of a cachet. Uh, we, it turns out we have a lot of friends in common. She, the My Darling Fury guys are like big supporters of hers. And before this album came out, all of a sudden she's ended up in Rolling Stone as one of the artists you need to know. The hype, uh, you know, we don't like hype here. It is annoying. It drives me crazy, although not so much anymore because of the meds. But <laughs> uh, now it's all good. Uh, but uh, the, the hype, you know, it, it, it's horrible because you can see stuff in these big publications that nobody has heard of. So my initial reaction to this was like, ah, whatever. Uh, and then I heard the fucking record and I'm like, I'm an asshole uh, because <laughs> I think it is sort of deserving of all the hype. You know what? If for no other reason that the album made you realize you're an asshole. That's awesome. <laughs> Come on, man. Uh, well, I mean, that could be. I mean, this is a, this is a collection of songs. It is uh, – some tales of uh, a lot of introspective stuff, but also a lot of poignant uh, sort of observations of the world around her and, or maybe not her, which we're going to talk about a little, uh, and uh, all wrapped up in a nice nineties ish sheen. A lot of people have been throwing comparisons to like Sharon Von Etten, mm-hmm. uh, her voice. She has, as you heard, she's got this like beautiful, like deep uh, voice. It's like a strong and sad quality to it. Right, really right. Cool. But a lot of her songs uh, are not uh, sad. They're fucking hilarious. Yeah. So uh, when I sent this around, we'll start with you, Eduardo, and, and we'll get to you, Paul. Don't worry. <laughs> um, uh, I sent this around. I said, that was what I said. I said, hey, the hype is real. And you're like, sweet, I'll check it out. And then what do you Yeah, it, it is. It is most definitely real. Um, I didn't realize until uh, you said it just now that she's only 20. And this is not an album that plays like it was 
written and performed by a 20-year-old. Um, I think it's just a lovely album from start to finish. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's no real duds. There's um, uh, the, the, there's enough, like, changes in tempo and um, in songwriting structures to really keep you engaged. The band, they have this way of, like, quietly building confidence during the like over the course of a song so yeah. that by the end, like, they're just fucking, you know, just st- full steam ahead. And uh, it's just a really good listen. Like, I just can't think of anything... Even like I can't even hedge anything on this album. Like right, I, just, right. I just love it from beginning to end. So, um, so yeah, the hype is real and and well earned. Like it's one of those yeah. times. It's really it's really fun to see those times when like hype and talent are actually com- in perfect alignment. Um, yeah, and get uh, recognition for it. Yeah, right, right. So, right. Um, so I I just can't I I can't imagine not rooting for. Ms. Dacus at this point. Right, right. So. Now, now, Paul, we've, we've made fun of you uh, for, you know, getting in touch with your uh, inner 13-year-old girl. Oh, it's been downgraded to 13? I thought it was a 15-year-old Yeah, which is, which is a, not a pejorative. <laughs> you know, it's, it's having feels and stuff. And, you know, this is definitely, like I said on the surface, there's a lot of uh, uh, misery, but there's a lot of humor on this album. And, and you know me well enough, I know you might, Eduardo, know, that I usually don't tie into this yeah. stuff. But something about it, I completely locked in like every step of the way, I think. Uh, I mean, what, what, what's going on? Well, I I can't tell you what's going on with you because you're right. (laughs) Usually these types (laughs) of albums don't, don't really hit home for you. But, uh, no, I, I have to just echo what everybody said. This is, it's a really good album. Um, you know, there are a lot of, uh, as with everybody who comes out pretty much, there are a lot of comps being thrown around. You see Sharon Vonnet and everywhere. You see Angel mm-hmm. Olsen a lot. Um, Heartless I, Bastards. And yeah, the I hear, I hear some Liz Fair in there. Yeah. But yeah. no matter who you go to on the comps, um, she doesn't sound exactly yeah. like anybody mm-hmm. else. And she really seems to transcend um, and an issue that, you know, we've talked about a lot on this podcast that people who just really take their their uh, influences to heart and then make an album just like their influences. She took the people that she sounds like and the people she was inspired by and made something wholly original. Um, there's some internal stuff, but I, th- but I think it's the observational pieces that are more impressive. Um, and the fact that I think, as you kind of alluded to, Kevin, that a lot of this stuff I can't tell if she's even really talking about herself mm-hmm. or if yeah. she's created just a really well-wrought character right. and is kind of spinning, spinning uh, a nicely observed fiction, which I, I like a lot because there's, there's, a lot, there's, there's a place for personal music, a big place for uh-huh. it, and there should be your, your personality should infuse everything. But folks who never can look past their navel yeah. get old real quick. So uh, Yeah, so, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was going to say, actually, the first time I listened to it, people might groan at this analogy, but I thought about how... Um, catcher in the Rye? <laughs> no, no Catcher in the that's, that's That's only for the metal podcast. Okay. Um, no, the way um, the way Amy Mann songs are used in Magnolia as kind of a framing device, mm-hmm. and they're sort of applicable to like I could imagine a much you know maybe less grand, uh, but you know really good indie drama where each song yeah. on this like applies to a different character and could be brought in in a very creative way. Yeah, so. and she was a film student. Like she was, oh, she, studying, was? Okay. she was studying film. Has a very oh, deep wow. love okay. of film, uh, and uh, because. It uh, the way it ties everything together, and you're doing like all the things in one product and stuff. So uh, it was interesting in talking, not to spoil the interview a little bit, but like she's very not a, really doing this intentionally, or she huh. seems to not uh, be doing huh. this intentionally. But you know, like 
what's I guess, you know, like I said, I don't hone in on lyrics, but I am a fan of, like, good writing, period. Whether or not it's prose, whether or not it's this. And you have a line, like, in Troublemaker Doppelganger, like, too old to play and too young to mess around. I mean, come on. That line is evocative as shit. And, like, yeah. and a 20-year-old wrote that. Like, I don't care, like, who wrote that. If that's in a book, you're like, yeah, you instantly, like, lock in on something like that. Uh, so on direct address, the last line, don't beloved and don't believe in love at first sight. Maybe I would if you looked at me right. Yeah, yeah. That 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 line. Like, made, that, lines. That, that, that line made me smile the first time I like, heard it. Just uh, yeah. Like this, it's like it came from like this like nebulous outer space region where great fucking lines and great fucking songs came from, because people have been saying that through the history of recorded music, and. Since at least since we have started the site, like I can't look back and recall somebody who's who just summed up that feeling that succinctly. Mm-hmm. Um, to your point about though, like the the uh, subjects and stuff, what's crazy is that how it bounces perspective in songs, and I think that's both a testament to like the skill of she has as a writer, but also it, it's almost like a uh, a baffling. Uh, a protection for like what she's letting out personally and what she's not, because it easily slips into like, you, you can be following a character through a song, but then you hear something that is out of character and then it goes back in. And mm-hmm. if you're not paying attention, you don't know what's what. And it creates this overall effect that you don't care. That's what and you're just like, wow, that's, that's really fucking tight. Um, there, but, and there's a lot of really startling, lines that just like jump out of the speakers at you and just kind of grab you. I mean, there's the, there's a line that comes up in a couple of songs about, um, something to the effect of without you, I'm the last of my kind, which I think shows up, comes in, up in two songs. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, there's the line in trust about how, if I trust in something and something else, I don't have to trust myself, which is one of those, like, you know, you first hear it and you're like, is that a happy line? Is that a sad line? Is it just a line about growing old and realizing that you're not the center of the universe and that you should, you know, it's just, it's just, it really made me think. I mean, and that's not, um, that's not something I say a lot about like right. new music that like I'm actually engaging with the lyrics and thinking about like where that writer is coming from. Yeah. So let's hear, let's hear one of the, uh, this is near the end of the album. This is, uh, in my mind, the centerpiece of the album, uh, for a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons, and we're going to talk about it after is that, it is sort of unlike all the other songs on this album. That is Map on the Map Wall. Map on the Wall, yeah. So uh, here he goes. Map on the Wall off of uh, Lucy Dex's new album, New Burden. Oh, please Don't make fun of me With my crooked smile My crowded teeth My pigeon feet Oh, my Beautiful beneath 
so far my whole life's one long lucky streak They say you should take the credit when it comes What I believe in haunted world Map on the wall, uh, everybody got their like lighters out. Um, like, the, so the thing about that that song is where all these songs in uh, the rest of, of New Burden are somewhat insular. Uh, that like aims for the rafters. That's hitting the back of the room. You could play that to a crowd. She did play that to a crowd of 150 people last night. I could see that being played to a crowd of like 150,000 people. Um, and for somebody on their first album to have that, because there's so many fucking ways a song like that can can and does go wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, see in Aerosmith's entire catalog <laughs> post pump. Um, whoa, 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 whoa! We're really talking about everything Aerosmith wait, wait, did post pump. Wait, wait, wait! Are, are you a uh, post pump apologist? I'm not apologizing for anything. Okay. They made some good songs after that. Okay, um, but it. It speaks to, and she played a new song last night, and like it gets a little more like this. And uh, there is, this is where the only one of the only times true like theatricality comes into mm-hmm. her her music. And maybe it's because her background, like her family, is steeped in like musical theater. That that's what's coming out, uh, and she can balance that with the just more personal stuff, more introspective. But uh, at the end of it, it, it's, it ends up it's glorious. Uh, you know that that last line and and one of the last lines of that song. It's like, uh, if you want to see the world, you have to say goodbye because a map does no good hanging on the wall. Um, you know, you don't know who she's saying that to, or if somebody's saying that to her, or what. You know, and that gets into like how she was writing uh, mm-hmm. the shifting perspective. It's just uh, uh, to my mind, it's masterful. Yeah, yeah, and the, and and it, it's actually the. Uh that shifting perspective comment. I mean, the center of that statement is the map. 
It's not the person who's using the right. map, right? It's the, it's the utility of the map and not about, yeah. you know, you need to take that map and do something with it. It's right. who is that map going to help, yeah. which is just, yeah, startlingly original. Um, so I did a little bit of the uh, patented uh, Kevin Hill line of inquiry and <laughs> went on to, uh, when I was looking at their self- I, I don't know what that is. Their, <laughs> their, uh, well, I think, I think I remember you saying a while back um, that it's really interesting to look at uh, Bandcamp- uh, the labels that the band. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And yeah. so the first three or four for um, the, for I Don't Want to Be Funny on Bandcamp were like folk, I think, roots rock, hmm. um, and something else that I didn't, like, I didn't think any of them were, uh, they were not how I viewed the music. But I guess I'm wondering if um, either from, from talking to her in the band or from seeing them last night, does, does that, no. Does that make more sense to you than it does to me? No, no. This is this is I I don't I hesitate to call it '90s rock uh-huh. uh, because it's not. Um, but yeah, you know that's not a pejorative, Kevin. I know it's not <laughs> mostly. <laughs> um, I think we covered that uh, pretty well a few podcasts back. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I, I don't know what it is. The same way I don't know what like Sharon Von Etten's is or right, you know all this right. stuff. Uh, you know, maybe it's indie is, is a thing, but I, I generally dislike that term as well. Um, so many, uh, if, can you tag stuff on, on Bandcamp? Might just go through and tag it with good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <I'm> just, <laughs> what? It's good. <laughs> yeah. Um, what, um, so, so did you, did you see it? Like, do you have any other insights that, that we're not privy to just from as a, either a spoiler from the interview or from no, last night? No, or, no. I okay. mean, it's, it's, uh, at the end of the day, it is, uh, uh, yeah, it would be a spoiler for the interview, but it, you know, it's really, uh, I'm interested in what, and what was fascinating last night is watching how people react to her music. I know how I react to it, uh, but I'm, uh, an almost 44 year old man. Uh, seeing some kids at that show up front, seeing a kid who bought uh, her record, uh, who loves music so much, he had his solid sound bracelet on from two years ago. Oh wow! Still, and was telling uh, her manager that like he, you know, he will never take it off. And <laughs> that's, and that's kind of gross. It is, yeah. but but felt sanitary. felt the same <laughs> way. He had just bought a vinyl copy of this mm-hmm. and was clutching it. Yeah, and you know, it just he looked like wrapped when when she was playing so uh it's yeah it's that that kid might be a stalker (laughs) (laughs) way to bring it down (laughs) um it just got real you know the the i guess the last fascinating point about this album is that uh it's basically recorded in a day they knocked it out some of our favorite albums i think the uh, Lydia Lovelace album, Indestructible Machine, recorded in a day. Uh, Sterling Simpson, pretty much recorded in a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, anytime you can do that, you capture this energy that you uh, lose by just beating it to death. And, so, and, you know, you can. A lot of people put more time into an album because. Uh, of the the discussion around the albums being like, well, is it supposed to be this piece of art separate from something? Is it a calling card for a live show or whatever? But I think the results are if you know the songs, if you play the songs, you go in and knock them out. It's a record of where you were at that time, and it's it's vibrant and it's more vibrant than uh, say something that spent like four years on like studio mastery, right? Uh, at least that's that's my opinion. Which there is a place for that. You know, uh, for people who obsess over little things, but that's a very different kind of music. 
I don't. I don't expect. I don't expect to ever hear any of her songs. You know, be like on a, C, on a CW show. Or? Well, I expect to. Yeah, all <laughs> yeah. of them. Yeah, like um, a couple scenes in the Flash this week could have been on. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, what are we gonna do with it, Paul? I'm buying it. Yeah. 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 Couldn't. Can't resist. No. Why would I want to? Yeah. Okay. Eduardo. Second. Yeah. Third. Yeah. Triple buy. This is like the yeah. third one this year. So, Uh-oh. are we all being too agreeable now? Yeah. Group, group think, guys. We need uh, we need someone to come in. It's, we need, it's, we it's need the aura I'm putting off. <laughs> That's right. don't, don't worry, people. The next podcast won't be a triple buy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, Lucy Dacus, Dacus, excuse me, uh, New Burden. Uh, check it out. You know, it's unfair that I'm here and you are there. I feel short in the exchange. I'll show you mine. You walk away, I'm wearing mine. Out on my sleeve, you're wearing yours or I can't see. But I'll remember your face for years to come. And wonder what you thought about when you got home. Like a kiss on the lips Come closer and I'll tell you Exactly how it is And I'm barely breathing I'm moving ahead But if I see you smile It's gonna knock me dead I'm stiff in my tracks Trying to recover from all the drug you used to put me under Alright, we have reached a point in the podcast Where uh, we like to feature a track uh, of a of a band that maybe uh, we've been listening to, maybe it's uh, somebody you might not have heard of, maybe it's somebody you heard of. You might have heard of these guys. Uh, we're ki- keeping it Richmond real this time. The uh, new BS Brass Band. They have a new album out uh, called Brass Knuckles. Uh, it came out in November. I've uh, been trying to get up with these guys a little bit. So uh, a little history to to the Richmond scene, you know, because uh, Lucy is from Richmond as well. Back when I was there, uh, jazz is a big part of. The Richmond scene, the VCU Jazz School is one of the more respected schools in the country, in the world, actually. Uh, and so you have this proliferation of players all over. Uh, back in the day, they played at a club called Bogarts. I don't know if that's still open, uh, but it was Bogarts back room. And you could go see uh, not old jazz guys, but students mm-hmm. out gigging like every single night. And it was amazing. There was at that time. Uh, a band led by one Stephen Norfleet uh, called Devil's Workshop that collected, you know, like maybe I think it was 20 people, maybe 25 at times, and played these huge gigs where they played essentially cover songs, all like jazz and, and brass instruments. And it was amazing. Uh, this type of thing has been happening and happening over and over again as each generation rolls through. In fact, uh, what's the... Uh, uh, Space Bomb Studios is a lot of those people that were in sort of that first wave or the wave in the 90s. So these guys are the newest wave. It's an 11-piece band. Uh, they uh, fold in a little more hip-hop into this. So it's sort of second line mixed with hip-hop. Uh, and it's actually uh, pretty damn groovy. So uh, we're actually going to play the title track off this. So here you go. This is no BS Brass Band, Brass Knuckles. Pushing all my people to the limit while we in it. 
Kevin Durant, we some black mamba enders. Defenders are from Virginia without equal. We are the original, you are the sequel. But we love us, not fighters, just party all nighters. Horn blowers, beat droppers, and rhyme writers. Never, ever, ever let the vibe go flat. And never have to ask for the honey sap. Because we lay back, sipping on Pellegrino, tight like Questlove and Paladino. Right, no BS Brass Band, Brass Knuckles, uh, shit like that and what Lucy's doing make me uh, proud that I, I lived in Richmond, Virginia for a good time. I will never go back to Richmond, but it is a... It is a you won't a, visit? Yeah, I'll visit. Okay. I'll visit. I, more and more people have been like, you need to come visit. So I, I am soon. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it it's a groovy little town and has always had an artistic center one of the more artistic towns I've ever lived in. And that is whether or not this is a stage, you know, it's like the ice age rolls in and rolls out or whether or not this is really something that's going to be sustained going forward. Uh, they're, they're hitting their peak right now and it's, and it's fucking awesome. So, uh, you guys dig that? Yeah. Yeah. Take yeah. that Budos band. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. You're right. You're right though. It doesn't have to be a competition, but <laughs> But uh, yeah, so uh, I think they're playing up at Gypsy Sally soon. Oh, really? Yeah, no, I'll, I'll have to look it up and we'll put it in the show notes. But they're they're definitely going to be up here eventually. I mean, they've already played the Tiny Desk. They've, you know, they're they're, they're making it work. 
Nice. Uh, so that is our podcast for this week. Uh, as usual, you can subscribe to us in iTunes and Stitcher, although Stitcher was down for a little while, uh, I think. But I think they're back up. Um, I'm still not sure how we're getting on Spotify, but I think that's coming. I think because we got, like, Stitcher got bought by somebody, we'll be on Spotify eventually because they're doing podcasts. Or maybe not. Huh. Uh, if you like this, uh, please rate us. Please email us, contact us, uh, write a review or whatever. More importantly, if you like the music you heard, go out and listen to it. Go out and buy it. Go see. You know, Lucy's on tour right now. New BS Brass Band is going to be around. One one last thing uh, on on New BS Brass Band too. I would be remiss if I did not mention the Godfathers of all of this in Richmond by Aritmo, a fantastic salsa band. That uh, I'll put a link in the show notes to that because. All those guys uh, definitely are probably mentors to a lot of these guys, and then they fucking kill it. Uh, so uh, there you go. That is the podcast. Uh, thank you guys for coming down. And, uh, you know, get out, see some music. Be good to your ears. Be better to your people. We'll talk to you in a few. <laughs> 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 Kenobi!